Welcome to the Dreamcatcher Podcast, a place where you'll receive a boost of inspiration, practical advice, and tools to maximize your success and personal happiness. And that's not all. You'll also get plenty of guidance on how you can use your gifts, talents, and compassion to contribute towards making the world a better place. Be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter for a preview of what's in store and to also receive a free ebook. To sign up, simply visit www.thedreamcatch.com. Now it's my pleasure to introduce you to the host of the Dreamcatcher podcast, Celine Chinoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dreamcatcher podcast, a place where your dreams can find a voice. According to the World Happiness Report, Scandinavian countries consistently rank the happiest. Northern European countries such as Sweden, Denmark, Finland, Norway, and Iceland seem to have found the formula for happiness. Happiness in this context refers to the satisfaction when one feels with the way their life is going and a general sense of well-being. So what is their secret? And can we try it at home? I invited Lola Akinmare Akastrom to give us insight into Nordic philosophies that can boost our happiness and help us live well and feel happier. An award-winning writer, speaker, and photographer, Lola Akinmare Akastrom has photographed and dispatched from over 70 countries from various publications. Her work has appeared in National Geographic, BBC, CNN, The Guardian, Travel Channel, Lonely Planet, and many more. She has received photography and writing awards, including recognition from the Society of American Travel Writers. Having lived on three continents, Lola is drawn to the complexities and nuances of culture and how they manifest themselves within relationships. Join us for this insightful conversation where Lola will give us an overview of Scandinavian culture and philosophy. We'll discuss some of the region's prevalent happiness ethos and how it may benefit our lives. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to like, rate, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Thanks. Hello, Lola. Or should I say, hey, Lola? (laughs) Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. It is so good to have you on the show. How are things out there in Stockholm, Sweden? You know what? It's uh, The sun is actually shining right now, which is quite early <laughs> in January, really. So it's a really lovely day, but still cold. So it's deceptively warm, right? You see the sun shining, but uh, when you when you step out, it's very cold. I think that's not too bad by Scandinavian standards. <laughs> exactly. That's a that's a brisk summer day. <laughs> that is a brisk summer day. Yeah. I, mean, I remember that because I lived in uh, Stockholm for a few months in 2017. Uh, I really enjoyed my time there. But I remember even the summers were cold. Yes. Yes. No, it is. You know, the summers are quite temperate. You know, in the sense that it's not that kind of really hot, humid, sticky situation, but it's more cool and very pleasant during the summer, actually. So it's so I always say it's very difficult to get a, a sweet out of Sweden in the summer because it's just the weather is just right. 
Oh yeah, they seem so happy. Like they're outdoors, they're doing all kinds of activities, they're sailing. They just come alive in the summer. I've noticed that. Yes, and it's a culture that's really tied to the outdoors and to nature. And so we all appreciate uh, when the weather is uh, nice enough to just be out in in nature, appreciating the just the fresh air and Mm. and the access, you know, to it, the free access to nature, which is also built into the laws, into the government law, right? Yeah, that was going to say. Yeah, they really do take care. They're very ego ego conscious. That's one one thing I noticed about them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like Scandinavian culture. It really resonated with me and their philosophy in so many areas of life. So when I learned about your book, uh, Law of Gum, and your yes. prolific work in just in culture and travel, I knew that I had to have you on the show to talk to you about it. So I really appreciate you being here with us. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. And you know, one of the things I love doing is I really love culture. I work as a travel writer. Mm-hmm. And and also, and I love getting beneath different cultures and figuring out kind of the best parts of a culture, right? Because every culture, there's no perfect culture. Every culture has its kind of shadow sides and its best sides. And so for me, I try to pick out the best parts of a culture and see how you can learn from that best side to create what I call a super culture, right? You are, as I said, a third culture kid with a diverse background. You were born in Nigeria. You're educated in the United States. And you're currently based in Sweden, as we just mentioned. So tell us, how has that impacted you as an individual and your worldview? Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I always say is that you can learn a lot about a culture based on how it handles stress. So taking that part, that kind of vibrant celebration of life, then mm-hmm. mixing that with my American kind of upbringing where I lived as a teenager up until I was working is the American mindset is we're never going to be able to solve or agree on how to solve the stress. So let us at least find solutions to keep the stress at bay. And that's where you get a lot of that creativity, that drive, that ambition, right? That we still have to keep moving through. So, so combining that with the vibrancy of Nigeria, that ambition and drive that's very kind of quintessentially American, and then coming to the Nordics where the Nordics can't really function without handling stress first, right? Which means we need to make sure that we get our work-life balance. We need to make sure we got the education, everything that keeps stress at bay, right? So that we can fully function. And so that is where you bring that kind of work-life balance into into my life as well. So in a sense, all three cultures have really helped me create my own superculture in a sense. So Lola, I ask this question to every third culture kid. When you're out in the world and people ask you, where are you from? How do you respond? So that's very difficult, right? It can mean anything. Where are you culturally from? Where do you roots? Where do you feel comfortable? And so for me, I say, well, my cultural roots uh, in Nigeria, I mean, that's where I grew up. That's where I feel the most rooted. But home to me is any any space where I feel like I, I can exist without explanation, right? So if I'm in a place and I feel like I can just fully enter that space without having to explain my existence in that space, that feels like home to me. So that is kind of how I, so home could be a community, 
you know, like, for example, when I lived in the U.S., my rugby community was home, you know, to me. And so, so, but culturally, I'm Nigerian in that sense. And then different communities in the U.S. and in Sweden feel like home. Interesting. So you find your community within the larger uh, community in a country, right? Yes. You find your own little space where you can, based on shared interests and shared values. Yeah. So, yeah. so in a sense, you know, where I can just be, right? And not feel like, why am I in, in this room, in this space? What's been questioned, you know? So, mm. so that's how I define home. It's it's a feeling. Home is a feeling. And do you feel that in Stockholm, where you're based right now? In different ways, right? So since I'm a naturalized Swede, I wasn't born here. So in a sense, I would always have that one level of separation because I wasn't born and raised here, which in a sense is also an advantage, right? Because then I can see things more objectively. You know, and that's kind of what led to the book Logum, where you could see and process objectively how this mindset works. And so in a sense, Sweden is my home in many ways because I've developed roots here as well through the next generation. I found communities where I feel like I can thrive and be myself. But in a sense, it's still a place I'm trying to figure out all its angles and all its... uh all the different pockets, yeah. But on paper, I'm I'm Swedish. It's my own as well. Do you speak the language? Yes, I do. Yes, okay. I do. And I think speaking the language really helps. Oh yeah, in it terms does. of understanding, yeah, no, it really does, right? In mm-hmm. terms of the nuance and and getting mm-hmm. in quicker in terms of integration and understanding, but um, at the same time. I always say, since I'm a storyteller and I use my words, for me, fluency, I have a different bath for myself when it comes to fluency in the language, right? Because I want to reach that fluency where I can write with the same nuance I write as a storyteller in English. So fluency is different for different people. Some people might say I'm fluent. I will say I'm just an advanced intermediate until I get (laughs) to that spot for myself. Yeah. Well said, yeah. So let's talk about Nordic happiness because it seems like the Nordic people have figured something out when it comes to it. Mm. People in Nordic countries consistently rank as the happiest. What do you think could be behind their secret? So, so I think a lot of people tend to mix happiness with contentment right because because a lot of cultures are very happy cultures even though they may not have some of the same access to the resources that the Nordics have right so in a sense the the definition of happiness this a western view defines it as having access to basic needs things met where you feel like you've got your and that's why I talk about the stress where you have to meet your basic needs first for you to function. And so if you define happiness as I have all my basic needs met and then everything else is pretty much the icing on the cake, then you're going to be holistically seen as happier than others who don't have all their basic needs met, right? And so that's why 
all the Nordic countries, because I told you it's a mindset thing. We need to first focus on our stress factors and fix them first so we can function. And so that's why you see a lot of the Nordic countries up in the top kind of five or, or 10 of the happiest in the world. It, it's a mindset thing. And I think in this sense, it's are my basic needs being met. And I feel like I can thrive and live a healthy work-life balance. And I think that's more in terms of contentment as opposed to just share happiness. Mm. So it doesn't necessarily have to do with the material happiness. It's just something that comes from finding a sense of satisfaction with having all your needs met and knowing that you're going to be okay and you're not going to be on the streets. Yes, <laughs> yes. exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's the kind of social structure that's been built over decades that has kind of helped govern this mindset, you know, and, and in the book, I do break it down in terms of just how if a society kind of collectively operates with this mindset, then everybody understands that uh, we need to make it all work for each other. Mm. So. Yeah, and the government takes good care of them, I mean, and I guess, and they're okay with that because they pay mm. such high taxes out there. Yes. Let's face it. Yes. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> but they get free, free. Yeah, they get free education, medical. That's also free. Yeah. So, so in a sense, it, it's free because, but it's not technically free because we all contribute and pay our taxes towards it, right? That's so, in true. a sense, it's it's accessible. It's accessible. So, yeah, that's a better way of putting it. Yeah, accessible because because that's one of the things that has been kind of the the myth for a long time where it's like, oh, it's free education, free healthcare, free everything. It's not free. Isn't, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not free. Somebody pays it, but we do pay it with our taxes because we know that that's the safety net that tries to remove that fundamental physiological stress, mm. right? That we know, mm -hmm. you know, and, and think about it. If I know that I'll be taken care of, I, I won't be on the streets. I will at least have some basic you know, I'll be able to eat, sleep, have shelter, you know, those are kind of those basic needs. And if we take care of that as a society, then the society will function better because people will be able to say, okay, now that's kind of met. Let me now self-actualize the way I want to self-actualize or show up in society, you know, as a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But for those who don't live in a country where their government takes care of them or gives them access to these, um, you know, these facilities uh, that they need, I know that there are other things that we can learn from the Scandinavian culture, like a lot of their philosophies. Um, one of them being uh, La Gom that we just talked about uh, in your book. Yes. Uh, you explain what Lago means and how we can apply it in our lives. So uh, can you break that down for us, please? Absolutely. So we hear this word a lot, Lago, and on the surface, it means, you know, not too little, not too much, just right. And But it's a lot more nuanced than that, right? So Lago is, in a sense, handling stress within your control. So removing stress within your life that's within your control because as a personal ethos it's a great ethos it tries to remove stress it says you know what instead of cluttering your house if the item doesn't have any emotional value 
or if mm-hmm. it's not functional, then why is it in your house? Get rid of it. It's adding more stress, you know. Or why do you want to spend three hours a day in the gym when you can just bike to work and bike back 10 kilometers each way? You get exercise. It's it's sustainable, right? It's a mindset that tries to create habits within your control that you can sustain. It's a very sustainability mindset. That's why you also see kind of the Nordics tied to sustainability. It's the mindset. What are the habits I can do every day that I can sustain that would not add stress to my life? I mean, when you lived in uh, Stockholm, you, I'm sure you participated in FICA and that's the oh, yeah. FICA yeah, breaks. Where FICA. You yeah, but and and it's fun, but it's there is a, a recalibration behind it because remember, logon is like a scale. It's trying to keep you your internal skill balance. So if you are working, 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 you take a break, have a FICA break to recalibrate your skill and then you can continue working. If you're working, recalibrate. So it's a very, that, that whole process of FICA is tied to the long mindset of balance. Now, and for those listening, FICA, great, could yeah. you explain what FICA is? So FICA is just a kind of this cultural institution where you have to break several times a day to have a coffee break. And it's like a siesta, a sort of. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like a siesta, a couple minutes. You can break with friends, family, you know, uh, colleagues, uh, usually with something nice or sweet, you know, cinnamon buns are the ones that are kind of widely uh, <laughs> pitched as, uh, with your FICA breaks. But it is just a, a recalibration mindset because logom is a mindset of balance. And when you, Overwork. If you are working too much and you're kind of getting out of balance a bit, it helps you recalibrate. So that's the great part of logum. It's a great ethos in your personal life. Now, if you take logum into a group setting, it changes. It really changes because remember, logum is trying to remove stress within your control so that you create that balance. When you move it into a group setting, it tries to do just what it does, which is remove stress <laughs> within your control. And so if my logum, which is trying to make me live my best life, is different from yours, Celine, uh, then when we're in a group setting, that can cause stress. And that's why it's a, it's a mindset that tries to, okay, you're stressing me out. Don't stick out too much. Just, And that's where that homogeneity comes in. Make sure people are not sticking out too much because we need to create balance. And ethos can be fantastic in one context and be very uh, limiting in another context. When you say people should not stick out, what exactly do you mean by that? So when you are here in Stockholm, you you probably heard of something called Yantelagen, right? So mm-hmm. that is where it's kind of this unspoken ethos where uh, don't think you are better than me. Don't mm. don't uh, you know? It's that. You know, try to just not stick out too much. Just it's tied to logon. Uh, Yantelagen is just the logon in a group setting. Because remember, it's a scale. And so it's trying to remove stress within your control. So when you do that, it's going to try and remove anything that's seen as a stress factor so that it keeps that balance in society. Okay. So this Sweden yeah. or Scandinavia in general is not a celebrity obsessed culture. To say the least. Yeah. Well, now it's getting to. Now, <laughs> okay. So, so in a sense, it's, a, it's not a culture that I, I say it hounds the celebrity. 
you know, like if you're in the US yeah. and a celebrity, everybody's just going to kind of rush them and take photos. Right. In Sweden, they don't do that because it's okay. that kind of, it's more of a mindfulness. Let's give everybody their own space. It yeah. doesn't mean it's not obsessed with celebrities. It's just, it's a mindset yeah. that's a bit more mindful. In they that don't way. like hierarchies anyway. They really do a lot to maintain equality in a society. And so I can see where that comes from. Yes. So yeah, so in a sense, it's more of a flat uh, structure in terms of yeah. leadership. It's just mm-hmm. a flatter uh, structure. But, you know, as with every country, every place, there are always challenges, you know. Of course. And, and so they still, yeah. So, But uh, but Logan, if you think of, think of that ethos, I recommend it as a personal ethos, not so much in a group setting, because there are many Swedes that do not like the word. They actually yeah. are very averse to the word, but oh. it's because of yeah, it's because of how it manifests in a group setting. Mm. But in your personal okay. life, it's it's fantastic because it's trying to make you live your best life, your most mm. sustainable life. Is it similar to minimalism? Like living a minimalistic lifestyle? So, so so minimalism can be an offshoot of that mindset. It's just because minimalism is kind of very, it's a bit narrower than logom. Logom kind of expands across just lots of different uh, contexts and social situations in life. Minimalism comes from that mindset in a sense that, for example, if I am living, think about decor or like your own life. The logon mindset says, if something is not functional, if I don't use it every day, or if it doesn't have emotional value, then why do I have it in my house? And that is where we do not need to be in the house because they add stress. Mm. I have to clean it every day. I like Yeah, it's just more weight. It's just more stuff. But I don't need it. Yes. So you can see how it's really tied. So minimalism is just one uh, offshoot of it, right? Moderation is another offshoot. But once you understand the the core of the ethos, then you understand why moderation is an offshoot. Minimalism is an offshoot. Practicality is an offshoot, right? Sustainability is an offshoot as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you for explaining that. So let's talk about another very popular happiness ethos, uh, which actually comes from Denmark. It's called Huga, which is spelled as H-Y-G-G-E. You can tell I practice, right? I practice all the pronunciation. Yeah. So Lola, tell us, what is the Huga lifestyle? And is it possible to live it in our busy modern world? Yes. And I think a lot of us already live it in many ways. We just don't have names for it, right? Or or if we do, it'll just be like those cozy moments where yeah. you stop to just fully be in the moment to appreciate uh, the warmth, the, the coziness, the, uh, the kind of uh, feeling in that specific mm. moment. And yes. so that's what it is. It, it, it is more of a feeling and a moment and trying to bring more of those into your own life or to spend with your loved ones, or to uh, to really appreciate, you know, to really appreciate in that moment uh, what's going on. So, so yeah, it's uh, that's kind of what Uge aims to do. So it literally means coziness, right? Just feeling cozy, like kind of like that feeling when you're indoors, 
during winter and you're near the fireplace, you're drinking hot chocolate and you have like, you know, you're cuddling with your, your dog or your, you know, your loved one. So it's that kind of feeling, right? Yes. 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 So it's, it's that feeling of, of, of the feeling of home, like this place, this feeling, this moment feels very, feels at home where I can fully show up. Lola, is it possible for us to, you know, live the Huga lifestyle when we are so busy on a day-to-day basis? Like we have so many things to do. We're always rushing from here to there. Like how do we prioritize Huga in our life? You know, and I think it, it comes down to just having some kind of either it's a meditation practice or routine, something. I'm sure you've heard of those morning uh morning routines where you just take a few moments in the morning, try to center yourself, try to appreciate that moment, try to, even if it's just having a cup of warm water with lemon, but just taking little moments of time with yourself, mm. even if it's breaking for fika, that's that's kind of how you can bring it into your life, right? So mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be this grand, let me go get the socks and the, and the sheep wool and then, you know, get the hot chocolate and make it super cozy. It's more realizing that you are what's celebrating every day you are what's taking a moment for to breathe to relax to recenter yourself to recalibrate your skill right and then continue going going through the day and and that moment even if it's just as simple as box breathing you know like the box breathing deep breath in for old just to take moments for yourself Hmm. So it's kind of anchoring yourself in the moment and just appreciating everything, like taking a moment to be grateful for what is around you and everything that you have in your life. And yes, and just taking everything in with all your senses. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's being more aware, being more mindful. And hmm. that's why I say every culture has a set, uh, you know, something like this. We just put different names to it. Hmm. That is true. That is true. But there's something about huga that elicits this warm. It's the sweat. It's the sweaters. It's it's the sweaters sweaters. and the candles. It's the sweaters and the candles and the fireplace. That's it. Because if you Google huga and you see the images, they're like, oh yeah. Yes, I know. That's what adds that little extra. But everybody can have, you know, everybody has these moments in their own lives, in their own cultures with people they love. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Totally agree with you. Um, okay, so Scandinavia, Nordic countries in general, they are absolutely gorgeous, right? They have picturesque mountains, they have these majestic fjords and these green forests. Um, mm. Really beautiful. So I'm yes. not surprised that the Scandinavians, they have formed a very special re- relationship with nature. Um, the Norwegians have actually created a word to describe the, you know, the importance of nature and their connection with it. And it's called a friluftsliv. That's spelled yeah, friluftsliv. Yeah. Friluftsliv. Yeah. And that's for every, <laughs> just spell it out for everyone. It's spelled as F-R-I-L-U-F-S-L-I-V. Tell well, us that's about... in Sweden as well. Yeah. Oh, is that the exact Sweden same too? word in Sweden? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, Lola, please tell us what free lives live is all about and how it can benefit our well-being. So it kind of literally translates to like free 
a life, right? Free lift to live, which means kind of being in the outdoors, having a, a, a life that's tightly coupled with being outdoors. And in a sense, um, and I think it just really dates back to, you know, where because the, the environments have been historically kind of rough and, you know, and uh, ash, the winters can be really cold, but mm. can also be very beautiful with another light. And so there's a lot of surviving on the elements and surviving on the outdoors for kind of uh, sustenance. And then in the, the government has created this kind of law called Alemansreten that allows you to enjoy nature freely, which means you can camp anywhere freely. You can pick berries freely. You can pick mushrooms. You can do what you want in nature as long as you leave it the exact same way you found it. And that has created a sustainability mindset because if I know I'm going to have access to these forests every summer to go pick chanterelle mushrooms, then I'm going to take care of it because I want the chanterelle mushrooms. I don't want to go pay for them in a grocery store. I want to go be able to pick them, baskets and baskets of them for free, right? So you can see where this de uh, develops this innate uh, respect for nature and sustainability and also uh, you know, where we say doing what's right, because I know that this is not only going to benefit me, it's going to benefit all of us. And we're going to keep that access to it. So, so there are many ways, um, you know, free lifts live kind of manifest. Lots of outdoor, outdoor activities, lots of camping, hiking. Yes. Do they have a the summer mountains. festival every year? Which you mean? Well, it depends. There's so many festivals every year, but maybe you're thinking of midsummer. Are you thinking of yeah, midsummer? Summer. That's it. That's what it is. Yes. I remember celebrating yes. midsummer in one of my friends' country homes, and yes. uh, it's actually a funny story. They were like, "Oh, you know, the lake looks so refreshing. Let's just go in for a swim." And they just ripped off their clothes and they ran and jumped yes. in the lake. And for me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, growing up in Dubai, we're not really, you know, we're not nature people. I wouldn't call it yeah. that. So I was a bit yeah. like, okay, they didn't even think twice. They just yeah. jumped in. <laughs> I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's actually, that, it's I'm that gonna wait here and dip, I'll dip my feet in the water and watch all of you. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> dip your toes in the water. Dip my yeah, toes absolutely. in the water. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's that's close connection to nature, right? Where that's a, I saw that firsthand. Very, yeah, in many ways because they probably got stagnated too and just jumped in. But uh, no, midsummer is just a really revered tradition here. It's it really ties to like pagan roots, and it's a uh, it's almost like the celebration of life of um, virility, you know of. <laughs> Uh, because that's again why the the pole is shaped the way it's shaped. You know, it it uh, it has its roots in that sense of transitioning of seasons. Of now, this is the season of of being fertile, of of women trying to find, you know, th their true love. You know, so so there's a lot of kind of history and tradition around midsummer. And mm. it's, did it go back to the usually, Viking times? Probably, but I know it's it, its roots are definitely pagan, right? In that sense, mm. but it mm. it probably did go all the way back then. So, right, yeah, and I think you know that's also why they really feel um, the sense of responsibility towards the environment. I mean, I know they're big on recycling and like they take the bike to work. I think it's because of that 
close connection with nature that they'll feel yeah. that that sense of responsibility to take care of yeah. it in any way that they can. Yes, it's it's a sustainability mindset. It's just a mindset that is quite mindful of its environment, right? And mm-hmm. and it all boils down to if I stress my environment, then it's going to stress me back. So what mm-hmm. can I do? Same Lagom, <laughs> right? Yeah, it is. It is. It, it yeah. is the Swedish mindset. It is the Swedish psyche. Mm-hmm. And it all ties back to that. It really does. It, it's that mindset of moderation, of just right, of optimal, right? So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. I also noticed that it's quite diverse out there now because I was not expecting that. Um, I thought I would, I thought everyone would be blonde and blue eyed, but that's not the case. It's like a, yeah. quite a bit of, uh, there's quite a few immigrants out there right now. And I was yeah. uh, glad, kind of glad to see that, that they were opened up yes. and they're, yeah. Well, 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 abs- well, first of all, I we always say that the Swedish PR machine is very strong <laughs> because uh, Sweden, one in every four Swedish person has foreign roots, either through parents or even themselves. But we don't see that reflected in the in the imagery that's been shown, you know, outside outside of Sweden. So there are lots of of generations of Swedes that are not blonde and blue eyed that have been born here for decades. You know, it's Sweden is just a lot more diverse than what the imagery, than what the PR keeps putting out. And I think it's a, you know, it's a shame because it is diversity can just show a lot more, just a very richer culture because all cultures evolve over time. All cultures don't stay static. They actually evolve over centuries and centuries. And this is the current evolution of Sweden's culture to the next uh, to the next generation. So, uh, but yeah, it's definitely diverse. One in every Swede has foreign roots. Mm. And do you think that everyone who comes there embraces this mindset that we just talked about, Lagom, Hoga, and all of that? So, so in a sense, it depends, right? So um, the mindset is one that you can bring into your personal life. It is one I recommend in your personal life because it's trying to remove unnecessary stress in your personal life. But in a group setting, I say stick to your own culture or stick to your own values because what's going to happen is the mindset we're gonna, it's going to try and repress you in a group setting. It's going to try to not make you fully stand in your power and in who you are. And that can be a very dangerous thing. You know, you do not want to just become just an average homogeneous person, right? That's not true. Everybody brings something that makes them vibrant, that makes them alive. So in a sense, that's the best part of the culture to assimilate into your personal life where you can live with with a lot more moderation, with a lot less, with more contentment, but in a group setting, still fully show up as yourself. Great note to end on. Fully show up (laughs) as yourself. Yeah, yeah, there's only just you in this life and, and exactly. uh, blending in and letting yourself disappear does nobody any good. Yes, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Well, Lola, it has been so wonderful talking to you and learning from you. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your experiences and knowledge with all of us. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. 
All right, so I want to let everyone know uh, that Lola's book, La Gom, The Swedish Secret of Living Well, is available wherever books are sold. And you can also learn about her other books. She has a bunch of them. And her wonderful photography at akenmare.com. Um, I'll add the link in the description. All right, Lola, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to share it with your friends and family. Take care and speak soon.